Welcome back to another episode of the Paycheck Today Check podcast. In this episode, we want to talk about what exactly retail arbitrage is and how it works with Amazon, especially Amazon FBA. We wanted to kind of touch on the basics of retail arbitrage because in our next guest episode, we are going to have Nikki Kirk on, who is an Amazon FBA seller. She is also the owner of Your Seller Guide and also Your Selling Podcast, which I had the honor to be on, and that episode should be coming up. So if you follow us on social media, make sure you are looking out for the episode. We're going to share it once it is live. So let's first talk about what arbitrage is, and it's pretty simple. It's taking advantage of a price difference, buying an item at a low price at one retail store, and selling it for higher. You're buying directly from a retail store. So for example, you find an item at Walmart that costs $10 that you can purchase, and then you can sell it on Amazon for $40. So you will then, you know, after the Amazon fees and everything that goes into that, then you will make, you'll be left over with the profit. With retail arbitrage, you never want to buy an item where you're not going to make any money. So how does retail arbitrage work? Um, products don't cost the same everywhere. And I think a lot of people don't realize that when we were full-time RVing and in different cities, the prices of items were completely different than in other areas. I remember traveling in a very small town in Wyoming somewhere. I think it was Rockwell, Wyoming, very small town. They had a Walmart and their ink prices were extremely low. And I remember going in and finding this clearance section in Walmart and buying out every single ink cartridge that they had. And we were able to ship those in and make a huge profit. When I worked for Payless Shoe Source, the way that they explained how they did their pricing for items, because you could go into one store and that same shoe would be $24.99, go into another one would be $19.99. So the way that they priced everything, because you got a pricing sheet on how much everything was going to cost, a lot of it depended on zip codes. So where the store was located, which I always found very interesting, but I feel like that is how a lot of retail places do price their items is based on location. Yeah, definitely. I mean, 30, 30 35 minutes south of here, you know, uh, the median income drops significantly and going into like a target or a Walmart down there, you can see the price differences. It's very obvious that, you know, like even just like eggs at the grocery store cost less there than they do like even North of here. Um, and I think a lot of that is based on like the median income of like those areas. Um, another reason, you know, it works is for convenience purposes. So if you live somewhere that, you know, they don't have a specific item or maybe it's like a regional thing, like um, Grandma Brown's baked beans right now, I think their factory is in Syracuse. I might've touched on this in a different episode, but their factory shut down around like COVID times. And if you stumble upon a can of these baked beans, you've got gold in your hands. I'm telling you right now. It's just, it's wild. Like my, uh, my family loves them so much. It's like a summer barbecue thing. Like it's a staple, you know, we always have grandma Brown's baked beans. We can't find them. When I went home a couple weekends ago, I'm like down in the basement. My parents have a couple like chest freezers down there and, um, you know, like some extras of things like, uh, garbage bags and you know, whatever. 
she's got like a huge <laughs> container of these big beans. It's like a gallon drum of these big beans. I'm like, holy crap, mom, you could sell these probably for like $200. It's unbelievable. You know, so it's, it's definitely like a regional thing because they're very popular around here, but I don't know what their, you know, shipping zone looked like before they shut down because of COVID, but maybe in towns, you know, around our state, maybe they had them and they're not as popular. So if you do stumble across the can of those, that's something to keep your, you know, an eye out for because people in the area that I grew up in, they are searching for them like on eBay and on Amazon. I'm telling you right now, they're looking for them. A lot of grocery items, I feel like this happens with flavored coffee. Um, I personally drink the Dunkin' Donuts pumpkin spice coffee. I drink it all year. The K-Cups, I drink it all year round from our Keurig. I love it. It's like my favorite coffee ever. Um, and it, you can't get it outside of like fall, you know, especially like in this area, it just doesn't exist. So I order it from, you know, a vendor that I've, I found online. So it's just something to like, you know, keep in mind when you're sourcing for RA, some things are regional and, um, people can't get the, those items where they are sometimes. And with Amazon, they've opened up an online marketplace where it's convenient for people to order those items that they wouldn't normally get. And it doesn't have to be a regional thing. I mean, you could, you know, live in New York and then you move out to Arizona and we don't have the specific item you're looking for. Or even the store that you're used to finding an item. I would go to Sprouts for specific coffee flavoring and they stopped selling it. They don't carry it anymore. So I have to go to Amazon because I haven't found it anywhere else. So I think Amazon has opened it up for people to supply items that you wouldn't normally find in your area. And also it's convenient for people to buy on Amazon. Maybe they don't want to have to go to a specific store for an item when they can just order it and have it delivered in two days to their door. Actually, I have another really good example of something that I've started using Amazon for recently. We, so my boyfriend, Brian, he drinks the sugar-free uh, Red Bull every single day. He takes two cans with him to work. I think it's absolutely disgusting, but he loves this stuff. And our local stores have it. We have no problem finding it around here. You, I was getting it at BJ's wholesale, you know, the wholesale club every time I would go there. But the problem is like, it's so heavy. Like the case that I would buy, it's so heavy. I can get it in the cart, but then like lifting it up and out of the cart and into like the back hatch of my outback is just... I mean, I don't know. It sucks. I don't want to have to carry it all over the place and then unloading it and bring it in it, it, bringing the case like into the house. It's just annoying. So I looked on Amazon. It's actually slightly cheaper to order on Amazon. And now it shows up at our door every single month. We get two cases a month and he brings it into the house and I don't have to touch the dang thing. So it's perfect. It's beautiful and it works. It's just like you said, it's convenient. All right. So let's touch on like if you wanted to start retail arbitrage and you wanted to sell on Amazon, you, of course, have to open an Amazon seller account. So that would be the first thing that you would want to do. You can open up with an individual account, which there's no monthly fee. And then there's a professional account for $39.99 a month with the individual account. If you were to list items that you find, it would be 99 cents per item if it sells, plus the 15% referral fee that they have on, no matter if you're doing fulfilling yourself or fulfilling by Amazon. So 
So that's definitely going to have to be your first step because in order to kind of figure out what products to sell or when you're out in retail stores, what do you buy? You're going to need your Amazon account to be open. So when you first start out and you're going into these retail stores, you can use the Amazon seller app and the FBA calculator. I believe you have some restrictions with the individual account. So sometimes it might be best if you're ready to dive in and start selling right away than to do the professional account. So it opens up your opportunity to sell in more categories and you get access to the, the FBA calculator. So you can use your Amazon seller account to scan items in store. There's also software out there like Scoutly, Seller Amp, and things like that, that you can purchase, connect it to your Amazon seller account. And then sometimes those have a faster way of scanning and showing you all the information. But that's really important when you're doing retail arbitrage. When you first start, you're going to be gated in certain items. And the only way you're going to determine what you can sell in your account is if you're scanning the items. It's very time consuming at first. A lot of people start at like the Walmart clearance section. They start on one end, they scan every single thing. And by doing that, yes, it is very tedious, but you're able to understand how it works and if you're able to sell that item. So each Amazon listing will have what's called an ASIN. And that is a unique code that Amazon gives to every single product. So when you are getting trying to get ungated with the auto ungate list, we'll have a list of ASINs. You take that, you add it to the catalog, and it should auto ungate you. And when you're out scanning in the aisles and you scan a barcode on the bottom of a box, if you have to request approval, always press request approved because you could be scanning an item that you're, you can be automatically approved to sell. You don't need to provide Amazon any documentations or invoices to show that you have bought in bulk to have permission to sell that item. I wanted to mention really quick, like with the ungating, you know, thing, when let's say there's 10 people that open an Amazon seller account, those 10 people are going to be gated and ungated in different things. So just because, you know, one person on social media is saying that they're gated in this and they can't sell it and they're trying to get ungated, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be gated in it as well. As far as getting ungated in items, the more you scan, the more items you're going to come across, like Liz said, and the more items you're going to come across that you're able to auto ungate in. So it's kind of a vicious circle, but the more things you're ungated in, the more things you'll become ungated in. So it's really important to scan out like everything with a barcode, go through your pantry, go through your cleaning products, just scan stuff, just to scan it and just to see what you're able to sell. We also have an auto ungate list available and we'll link that in the description um, in the show notes below for you guys. It's free. It's a free resource. You basically just, you know, copy and paste the ASIN into your seller central, you know, um, like the product search and try to get auto ungated. It's not, you know, not all of them are going to work for every single person. Some of them you might already be ungated in. But like I said, the more you can get ungated in, the more Amazon is going to ungate you in things so you have the opportunity to sell those items. When you first start, I know one of the categories that you're not going to be able to sell in is going to be grocery and gourmet items. So you would need to get ungated. And what we mean by that is when you are trying to put that item in your Amazon catalog, it's going to say request approval. 
Amazon wants you to request to get permission to sell that particular item. Some items you can click request approval and you will auto get approved. And that's the list that Ashley's talking about, the auto on gate list. And that's what we also recommend new retail arbitrage, Amazon FBA sellers, find an ungating ASIN list, go through all of them, put them in your catalog. And it just kind of helps Amazon know that you're ready to start selling. Now, when we say go down a Walmart clearance item, obviously everything's on clearance, but don't assume just because something is a low item that it's going to be sold for higher on Amazon. Don't buy everything you see. We'll kind of go into more when we talk about how to see if an item is profitable. But just because you see an item, you scan it, and you're like, oh, I can sell it. It must be good. And, you know, you look, it looks like it's a good item. There's a lot more detail and, and data that goes into determining if an item is going to be profitable. Some of the retail stores that you can go to would be Walmart, Kohl's, Marshall's, TJ Maxx, Burlington, Costco, BJ's, Sam's Club, Target, Walgreens, Five Below. I mean, really retail arbitrage. You can go into any of those stores. And if that item fits your buying criteria and you can make a profit, you can purchase it and you can sell it on Amazon as long as you're approved to sell it. Some of the top categories to sell in on Amazon for retail arbitrage are going to be home and kitchen, electronics, arts and crafts, sewing, grocery and gourmet food, toys and games, beauty and personal care, and books. So those are definitely some of the more popular and top categories that you're going to want to look into. So let's talk about how to know if an item is going to be profitable. So we mentioned the FBA revenue calculator that you can put in all the information and it will tell you the profit via fulfillment by merchant, which is if you ship it yourself and pay for shipping, or if you go through FBA, which is fulfillment by Amazon, you pay them an additional fee and they pick, pack and ship that item and you don't have to worry about it. One thing to understand when you're scanning that item, there's a cost of goods. Scan the item, you would put in the sale price, what you're going to sell that item at, and then put in your cost of goods, how much it would cost to ship the item into Amazon if you want to do FBA, then hit calculate and it will give you all the data of your net profit and net margin. And why that is so important is because different items are going to have different fees. So if you're buying a small box of maybe teas to sell, like maybe tea bags, that's going to have a different fee. And depending on the price too, it's going to have a different fee than if you're selling a toy that's gigantic. So understanding how fees work is incredibly important. We have done a previous podcast episode on understanding FBA fees with Amazon. So that would be a really good one to refer to. We did a little bit more of a deep dive with the fees. I think that's where a lot of new people to Amazon get in trouble. They, you know, scan the item, they put their numbers in, they're like, oh my gosh, you know, this is profitable. But when it actually comes to, you know, taking the fees out, that's where they kind of shoot themselves in the foot because they forgot to take those fees out. You can use the FBA revenue calculator and that's a great way to figure out if you're going to profit, but that's not everything that goes into buying an item. Sales rank is huge. That tells you how fast an item is going to sell. And there's also another software called Keepa that gives you even more data on that particular product. And we've had Matt Bilo sell Heinz. He's been on as a guest talking about Keepa and why that is so important, especially as a beginner seller with retail or online arbitrage. 
is to make sure you understand sales rank and what the Keepa chart is going to provide. He says, do not buy an item without looking at a Keepa chart. And I think that is so true because it's not just going out and finding an item that you can buy for 10 and sells for 40. Well, if that item has 52 sellers on it and it only sells two items a month, or maybe you scanned it and the price was really, really high and it looked like it was selling for that amount, but somebody just listed it really high. I mean, there's just so much data that you have to look at per listing. Keepa will show you how many sellers are on that listing, the sales rank of that product, what the buy box is at, and then what the lowest and the highest prices are. So you get historical data on that product. So let's talk now about some tips for retail arbitrage. I think it's really important to make sure that you're being patient. Um, it's very exciting starting something new, especially you know when you first start getting into Amazon. If you're coming from like Poshmark or eBay, or even if you know this is your first reselling experience, it's a lot of work, but it's exhilarating, like finding those products and the hunt and the thrill of finding something that you're able to sell. It takes time to scan items in the store. So making sure that you're not rushed, that you know, you you have a decent amount of time to spend taking your time, going through everything, scanning stuff, looking items up, analyzing the data. Amazon is so much more data driven than any other selling platform out there. It it takes a while to get a full-bodied picture of all of the different data points that you need to keep in mind and the different things that are going on and the different rules and the different fees and things that are always changing with Amazon. It's a lot to take in when you first start selling. It's easy to get overwhelmed. So it's just, again, really important to make sure that you give yourself a little bit of grace, be patient with yourself, and take the time to really dig in and learn the the proper way to find good retail arbitrage items to sell. And when you're looking for items, make sure you are getting enough profit out of that item. I know there's people that go out and they're okay with making a few dollars on the item. But in my mind, I wouldn't want to only have a few dollars in, in profit because you don't know if a price is going to increase or decrease and think about the time that you're spending. You're spending time going out to these retail stores and sourcing, scanning items, bringing them home, prepping the shipment to send into FBA. So there is time that's involved along with driving around to all these retail stores. So make sure you're making enough profit to where that item makes sense. Retail arbitrage is also, you know, it's less upfront in terms of cost versus sourcing by way of like wholesale as an example. But when you do first start making sales, it's important to remember that Amazon is going to hold your funds for a while um, just to make sure that there's going to be enough available to cover fees and any returns that might come through. Um, you basically, you have to start establishing yourself as a seller with Amazon um, from the beginning and don't expect that you're going to get your payout like right away. It, I think when I first started like sending shipments in, I think it was about two weeks that they held my funds, if I remember correctly. So, I, you know, 
make sure that you're not tying up a ton of your capital um, with sourcing for Amazon and selling on Amazon. If you, you know, this is important. If you are, you know, in a tough spot and you need funds right away, um, making sure that you set a little bit of, of money aside so that you can start on Amazon, but also just remembering that you're not going to get the profit from the items that you sell returned right back to you ASAP when you first start out on this platform. And that's another reason to definitely understand Keepa and understand how Amazon works and the fee structures and understand how much profit you would actually get. Cause you don't want to start off too with spending all of your capital on a shipment that you've shipped in and you didn't make very good buying decisions. And those items are sitting in Amazon and they're not selling for a few months because Amazon also charges you a monthly storage fee to store your items. And that's something else to consider because that's going to be an additional expense that you're going to have to factor in. But Amazon holds that back to cover any fees or returns that you're going to get. So that's why they do that. I mean, with some of the other platforms like Poshmark, as soon as your item is checked in and you get that balance in your account, you can send that to your bank account. With Amazon, they're going to hold back your funds and you'll see when your payout's going to get dispersed. So that's something to consider. Maybe you won't be able to buy any more inventory until you start seeing those funds come. But that's another reason why if you're interested in retail arbitrage, on the side, doing reselling on eBay, Poshmark, Macari, that's a good way to build up the capital because you can buy items for really, really low, and then you're not putting as much capital into those types of businesses. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, another thing that we just wanted to mention really quick as a tip for doing retail arbitrage, make sure that you are utilizing things like gift cards. There's um, some websites out there that you can buy gift cards that are discounted if you know you're going to be sourcing at Target or Walmart, as an example. Uh, loyalty cards for different grocery stores. Uh, Target has like their red card, um, different promotions, sales, receipt scanning apps. We've talked about Fetch. There's another one that I'm telling testing out right now. And I want to just give it a couple more weeks of testing before I talk about it with you guys, just to make sure that, you know, it's not like, I just want to make sure that it's worth, you know, mentioning to you guys. Um, but we have talked about Fetch before and we love that app and all of these things combined, if you use them all together, those, those just little bits and pieces lower your cost of goods. Sometimes if you find an item and it's just barely like on the edge of your sourcing criteria, it just barely makes the cut. If you use all of these things combined, it might make it quite a, a profitable item for your business if you're utilizing these different ways of lowering your cost of goods. And one last thing that I wanted to mention really quick for tips on doing RA, a lot of us, you know, we got our feet wet. We got started on doing RA for Amazon in the clearance sections of places like Walmart and Walgreens and grocery stores. And that's a great place to start. Some areas have bigger and better clearance sections than others do. And where I'm living right now, our store is just they don't have a lot of stuff. They don't have a lot of options. It's pretty picked over and they just aren't adding a lot of inventory to those sections frequently, as frequently as I needed them to be. I would still go through them all the time, but I wasn't really finding enough to like sustain my Amazon business. So 
you know, I started learning how to find other profitable items. And this is just to kind of give you guys an idea to get started searching for items. In expanding my search, I would look for gaps on shelves. So let's use um, the toy aisle as an example. If you're walking up and down the toy aisle in Walmart or Target and you see, you know, sections of items that, well, I guess sections on the shelves that where there's just like the hangers and there's no item available, check it out. See what that item is. Scan it with your, you know, your Target app or your Walmart app. See what the selling price is. Is it discontinued? Like what's going on with it? Are, is it available in other places? Look it up on eBay. Look it up on, you know, Keepa. Um, put, you know, scan the, um, the barcode with, you know, your seller app, your Amazon seller app and see like what comes up. Just do a little bit of research because if there's gaps, then it might be hard to find. It could be, um, that they're not producing as many and it's kind of becoming a popular toy, or maybe it is a really hot toy right now. And maybe, you know, your target doesn't have it, but your Walmart does. And you're able to run across the street and go get it over there and then send it in. So looking for the gaps, is how I have found so, so many profitable items. And then checking other stores in your area for stock on those items. And also just coming back, like knowing the schedule and when things are restocked in those specific stores is really important. Um, so, you know, I know when my Target usually restocks items when they get their trucks in. So I'll, you know, check their app. I'll make a phone call. You know, I'll just sneak and go in there, run in there real quick while I'm out doing errands. Another tip on finding good items for retail arbitrage is using other selling platforms to do research. And then hopefully that translates into Amazon as well. So not everything that sells well on Amazon is also going to sell well on eBay and vice versa. You can use those selling platforms sometimes to find profitable items. So I will do a search on eBay for an example for like Target exclusive or Walmart exclusive and then see what comes up. And a lot of it, you know, again, is toys. That's like kind of like what I'm into um, for selling and retail and online arbitrage. But, you know, you can look up different search terms as well on eBay and then see if that translates into a profitable item on Amazon. If you come across a storefront on Amazon that is selling a lot of the same profitable items that you keep running into, see what else they're selling, like go through their storefront and see what else they are getting into. And I, you know, I use this strategy all the time now on eBay as well. Look to see what other people are selling and you might be able to find those items are profitable for you too. So hopefully that was a very helpful episode of, of giving you a little bit more of an idea of how retail arbitrage works. If you're listening to the podcast and have any questions for our upcoming guest, Nikki Kirk, about Amazon, FBA, and retail arbitrage, make sure you reach out to us on social media. If you're watching on YouTube, have any questions, make sure you leave them in the comments down below.